0: Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. You
1: know, last weekend with Deeper Stronger was, I think, one of the highlights of I don't know how long for me. I loved every part of it. I want us to sing this song again before I share the word with you, not because I'm trying to beat a song, but because I believe that Deeper Stronger was never meant to be a moment. It was always meant to be a platform. It's always meant to be something that we can stand on to reach to our next, to reach beyond where we are. I believe that there are great things ahead of us. I just want to make sure that every one of us, no matter where you're at right now, no matter what's going on, I pray that you'll take this moment. You know, it's so easy to allow the devil to condemn you. You think, well, God wouldn't want to use my life because I'm still struggling with this or that. But you know, Almost everyone in the Scripture was an accidental hero. Almost everyone, Gideon, Moses, the Apostle Paul, they never started out as people that had it all together. They started out as people who simply, out of weakness, gave God their yes. Then He took them on and did something amazing. And I'm believing the same for every one of us today. Come on, just while you're seated, sing it with me one more time before I share the Word with you this morning. Yeah, but- <laughs> pray for this great nation of Australia. We pray for all the nations, Lord, that You have given us opportunity to be a part of, for Albania, for India, for Malaysia, for Colombia, Lord, for all these places. We thank Your Holy Spirit that You have no restriction. You have no limit. You're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even think, according to the power that's already at work in us. Father, I pray for people here who may have parked their vision because of restriction. They may have parked their dream because of age or parked their dream, Lord, because of difficulty in some area. I pray God today, would You speak to our hearts again. Lord, would You light us again. We give You alone all the praise and all of the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said Amen, Amen. Thank you for that. God bless you. Vicki Simpson on the very first night of Deeper Stronger spoke about some of the shakings of God that are in our world and our life that are actually often the result of our prayers. And by the way, every message from Deeper Stronger, all of it is available on our YouTube channel, Metro Church WA, or you can get the podcast of the message only from our website. But here's one of the Scriptures that Almost everyone that's been a Christian for a little while will learn to love because it seems to get repeated a lot. You know, it's one of those scriptures that we go, that is gold right there. I really like that one. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. It's long been the favourite of many, a believer. All things work together for good. To those who love God and are called according to His purpose. But follow me now quickly this morning, because what that verse is saying is not just that good things will come or that God's got that ability. What it's also saying is that some of the good things in your life are only going to come as a result of some all things. That some of the good things that you want, and some of the good things that you desire, and some of the good things that God's got planned for your life, some of that good in our life will only come as a result of some of what we call those all things in our life. We pray for God to help us to grow in faith and strength. We say, God, I want to grow in love. And the first thing He does is stick an unlovely person near you. We say, oh God, help me to grow in grace. And conflict comes into our life where we have to forgive when we don't want to. Where we don't feel like it. Where what we really want to do is give them a piece of our mind and the biggest piece we can find. And we think like that. Conflicts arise, problems arise. Now, that doesn't mean that God sends every problem our way. Jesus and the disciples in Mark 4 were uh, in a storm that they thought was going to, well, the disciples thought was going to finish them off. But, you know, God didn't send the storm. God isn't playing games with your faith. God is not somehow or rather testing you to see what you can do or not do. That would be terrible. That would be like me taking my young uh, grandchild of two and a half or two and three quarters or whatever she is and saying, I wonder if she could you know, kind of run across the street without getting run over. That would be a horrible thing to do. And trust me, God is a better father and a a better person than any of us ever will be. God's not the author of confusion as the Scripture says. He's not playing games with us. And so He may not send those all things to our life, but it does mean that when we are in the middle of an all things time, it means we need to respond differently. Now, if you are anything human at all, and if you are remotely like your pastor, you will know how difficult that is. How easy it is to say and how challenging it is to do. That when Vicky on the last night preached on shaking off the viper, when she preached on nah on that last night, I know some of you in this week gone past have had a couple of vipers. Maybe not literally, but spiritually. Things that kind of want to attach to you. Things that want to bring you down. Things that want to poison your soul. And in that moment where these things come, you know, the message comes back into your mind. Shake off the viper. And what you really want to do is grab the viper and hit someone with it. (laughs) Of course, none of the rest of you are like that. You're far more spiritual than I. I've got no doubt about that at all. It does mean that we're, when we're in the middle of an all things time, we have to respond differently to the way our humanity or our self or what the Bible calls our flesh, our, our carnal nature, our, the, the thing in us that just makes us people that have grown up a certain way. We have to respond differently. You all know, some of you will anyway, that Joseph in the Old Testament's one of my favourites. I do think that some of these people, when I get to heaven, are going to come up and go, You know, half that stuff you said about me, you know, never happened like that. And I'll go, But it sounded, you know, I thought it was pretty good. Or some of them are going to come up and say, Thank God you finally got here because now we don't have to listen to another sermon about us. (laughs) I love this guy, Joseph, in the Old Testament. He begins with a God given dream and then jealous brothers sell him as a slave. His new owner's wife falsely accuses him of a crime and he gets thrown into prison. And you kind of got to go, talk about an all times kind of day. This guy's not having an all times day or an all times week. It goes on for week after week and month after month. It goes on for year after year. And yet this guy stands firm in the middle of His all times. I want you to stand firm in the middle of your all times. Trust me, I know that, uh, you know, when God gives vision to you, the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, A great and effectual door has been opened unto me, but there are many adversaries. And I'm telling you at the beginning of every great miracle of God, the enemy wants to come in and crush it. When Elijah goes up onto Mount Carmel there and slays all those prophets of Baal, the next thing we know is he's running into the wilderness, isolating himself and feels like it's all over. And what did I ever do? He actually says, I'm no better than my father's. In other words, he says, you know, my whole ministry has been a waste of time. And this guy goes into that space and God takes him out of there and takes him into a far greater space for the next decade or so of his life, greater than he's ever known. I'm speaking to some of you this morning that have disqualified yourself. I'm speaking to some of you that have written yourself off. I'm speaking to some of you who go, it's too hard, it's too late. I'll never get there. And I'm telling you by the Word of the Lord this morning that just because you're in at all times does doesn't mean that God doesn't have good plan on the other side of it to bring you out of your old times and to bring you into something great in Jesus' Name. He's in the middle of all times. Think about it. In jail. And He's not just in jail. He's in jail in a time when there was no judge who said, I sentence you to 10 years. They just stick you in there and forget about you. It's not some kind of like, there's no parole board. There's no moment where they come and review your sentence. There's no such thing as a sentence. You're just in jail. And he's there and he's forgotten. Genesis 41 tells us when the good starts to come out of the old times. Genesis 41 verse 14. Then Pharaoh, after he has the dream, And none of his soothsayers, no one in the world, none of his best advisors have got a clue. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon and he shaved and changed his clothing and he came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and there's no one who can interpret it, but I've heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, It's not in me, but God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Here's where the old things turn around. Most of us here online as well, most of us know the story or you've at least seen the stage play, Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat, or you've seen something about it. Most of us know that Joseph goes from this forgotten entity, this nobody, this person who's completely irrelevant and insignificant. He goes from there and this is the turning point moment in his life. I want you to know this morning a couple of things. Number one is that divine destiny can have delays and detours, but it never has dead ends. Divine destiny for your life. Come on. I know this morning, I know by the Holy Spirit that I'm speaking to people. And I know that this is going right to the heart of some of you. And maybe you're just in a temporary dip right now. Or maybe you look at it as I have done many times at Vision and thought, God, this is so out of my ability. This is so beyond anything I can imagine I could do. But divine destiny can have delays and detours. But it never has a dead end. There's no wrong way, go back. Sign along the path of destiny. You may have a delay, you may have a detour. Here's the second thing that I take out of this story of Joseph is the enemy can take away your coat. Remember the coat of many colors. He maybe can take away your comforts. Joseph leaves a home where he's the favourite son. You know, we had the best bedroom. You know, everything in there was just beautiful and for him. And then he goes from that to a slave block, goes to part of his house, ends up in a prison, hard cell, probably in with scores, if not more, of others. And he goes and loses all of his comfort and, and perhaps the enemy can take away some of your freedom. Maybe he can curtail some of it for a time. But listen to me. The enemy can't take away your calling. Oh, he can attack your comfort. He can take away your coat. He maybe can curtail some of your freedom, but he can't take away your calling. The fact that God wanted you. Romans 11 verse 29. For God's gifts and His call are irrevocable, unchangeable that means. He never withdraws them when once they are given and He does not change His mind about those to whom He gives His grace or to whom He sends His call. If you are saved today, if you have given your heart to Jesus, if you've surrendered the leadership of your life to Christ and He always will receive those, if you've done that, He's called you. And if He's called you, there isn't anything along your journey that will make Him second guess. There isn't anything along the path where he's going to go, I wish I hadn't picked them. Oh, they turned out to be a bit of a dud. Oh, they weren't as good as I hoped they'd be. Then nothing like that. It, it is irrevocable, his calling. Joseph lost his coat. But you know, he ends up with a wardrobe. He ends up with such a wardrobe that he actually says when his brothers come down to Egypt to get grain, he says, give them all coats. This guy goes from a coat to no coat. Now he's got a wardrobe. He's lost the comforts of his own bedroom, but he ends up with a palace. He lost his freedom for a time. He ends up running an entire nation, the opposite of curtailed freedom. Pharaoh said to him, you will be in charge of everyone. Don't you know that Potiphar's wife at that moment when she heard the news said to her husband, let's take our long service leave and go abroad. If this guy comes back, if he's got a vengeful spirit, we're in big trouble. Potiphar began thinking of all the reasons why it wasn't his fault. The keeper of the prison started saying, thank God I was nice to that fellow because now he's gone from this person who has to be restricted and told what they're able to do. And he goes from that to have the the freedom to go anywhere he likes. There is not a building in the whole of Egypt that he can't just walk into. There isn't a person apart from Pharaoh in the entire land of Egypt that he can't command. God turned that thing around in his life. I want to say to you today that some of you here that are a part of this, you're in for a mighty big payout. You've had the enemy take this, attack this, stop this. But I believe that in the same way that Joseph's life got turned around and his all things became good things, I believe in the same way God wants to take those things in your life and He wants to turn them around. There may be detours, there may be delays, but there's no dead ends. He can't take away your calling, number three. If you're going to do that, you've got to listen to the voice of vision, not the clamour of the crowds, not the noise of the crowds. Luke 9 verse uh, 51 says, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. Read on the rest that's not up there. Read on the rest of the passage for you. Have, go back and have a read and you'll discover everyone who starts going, well, I would, but. Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem and everyone around him, this is the passage where one goes, well, I would follow you. But my mum and dad, I've got to go attend to them. You know, I've just bought a field, I have to go and have a look. Like, hello, who buys a paddock without looking? I've just bought a car, I haven't seen it yet. And that immediately follows that verse. He set his face, and if he'd been listening to the crowd, he would have gone and looked around and go, What? What happened? In John 6, verse 66, after he does this mighty miracle, but he begins to speak about his sacrifice on the cross. And John six sixty six says this six sixty six. <laughs> Cue spooky music. After that, it says and many walk no more with him. They'd just seen Jesus turn five loaves and two fish into enough food to feed five thousand men plus women and children, and have twelve baskets full left over. And they go, oh no, no, too hard. Although I don't get that. And they stop walking with Jesus. And he turns to his disciples and he says, do you want to go as well? And they said, Master, to whom else can we go? You only have the words of eternal life. Think about it. If you're listening, listen, if you're listening to the crowd, if you're listening to the crowd, vision will be very difficult for you. Huh? Because everyone's got an opinion. Haven't they? Opinions are like armpits. Everyone's got them. I won't say the end of that saying. I'll just leave that one for you. I've flown a lot over the years. I haven't flown much in the last couple. But let me show you one of my favourite things. When I fly. And I will make room for you you have no idea how silent this church is right now. As I put on my noise-cancelling headphones. But you know, I've discovered this about noise-cancelling headphones, is they don't cut out every noise. They just cut out all the unimportant noise. They cut out the sound of the uh, plane's engines. That crying child two rows back from you, that person who keeps on coughing and you wonder what they're coughing with, can't hear it. You can't hear that person a row in front of you. who's there, there. I'm looking at some of the people in this church who fly a lot and they're all going, yeah. You know that person, I used to go, oh God, please don't ever let them bring mobile phone conversations onto planes. Yeah, well I was down there and he said that, I said that, I told him. None of that stuff. But I tell you what I can hear through these headphones is the voice of the pilot. Evacuate! (laughs) Well, actually, I haven't heard him say that. Uh, Trust I never will. Does this look weird, by the way? It's really weird talking to you with these on. I can still hear the voices that matter. And I'm not trying to recruit you to buy a pair of these. But I reckon every one of us needs some of these for here. Every one of us needs some of these on our heart, don't we? Come on. Come on. You know what it's like. Well, I just think that God maybe wants me to. And then all the people come around and tell you what happened to the last person who said that. And what went wrong? You need to get out your noise-cancelling spiritual headphones. And you need to put them over your heart and say, in Jesus' name, I'm listening to the pilot. Amen. He's the only person who can tell me what to do on this flight. Amen. Come on. You've got to get, you've got to stop listening to the voice of the crowd that's around about you. Get them for the heart. Here's number four. Fourth thing that I get out of the life of Joseph and the reason why I think this man fulfilled vision, despite a great long season of all things. He waited for the good things. And that is that you've got to build a hope that can endure. I've read several times now a study they did in, of POWs, prisoners of war, in the Vietnam conflict. And psychologists and all kinds of psychiatrists and leaders and people got in with these prisoners of war and wanted to discover why some of them came out the other side and just went straight back to normal life in a great way. Affected, but not broken. These were the results they came up with from these POWs. They said the first people to die were those who just gave up hope. Those who said, we're captives, nothing's ever going to work. We just, and they literally died of hopelessness. No hope. Surprisingly, the second group to die were the ones that did have hope. But they had short-term hope. I read this several times, several studies on this where they spoke about the people who got in prison, say in October. And they said, we will be out by Thanksgiving, which is November. But Thanksgiving came and went and their hopes weren't met. And so then they said, well, We'll be out by Christmas. And then Christmas came and went. And they were, We'll be out by New Year's. But New Year's came and went. We'll be out by Easter. And these people had hope that was good for a short burst. But they couldn't continue with it. Proverbs 13 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And the word deferred doesn't mean that it never comes. It means that your hope doesn't have the power to go the distance. In other words, you've got hope. Lots of people have got this. They've got hope for there. Well, I hope my marriage will be okay. I'm I'm hoping, I'm hoping. But the next time something goes belly up, the next time a great conflict arises, all their hopes get tossed. They go to one side. They've got hope, but it's not hope that can endure. The people that came out strong, Had I hoped that lasted. And this was their thinking. I've read these uh, these people in their conversations. I don't know when I'm getting out, but I know I will. I don't know the timing. We're talking about all things this morning becoming good things. I don't know when it's coming. I just know that it is. I don't know how it's going to happen but I know it will. I don't know who is going to help, but someone will. They were the people who lasted throughout all this conflict. So let me ask you this morning, what kind of hope do you have? None at all? I pray this morning you'll get some. Or you've got the kind of hope that sets a date on it all the time. I had somebody say to me, I was reminded of it only last week. I had someone say to me once, you know, Oh, I said, why are you not following the Lord anymore? Why aren't you coming to church? they go, well, I, I prayed and God didn't answer my prayer. I always look at them when people say that to me and I go, what, just one? I've got a thousand unanswered prayers. I've got a warehouse full of them. I've got things in there I'm praying for and they still haven't come to pass. Amen. But do you have a hope that's got a date on it? Well, uh, you know, I thought I'd have this by now. I thought my career would have taken. I thought my business. Build a hope that's got the strength to go past any time. Amen. Romans 15, 13, if you don't know it, it's such a great verse to memorize. It says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the Holy Spirit. It's not talking about a hope that's weak, a hope that's thin, a hope that's fragile. It's talking about a hope that's got strength. Come on, are you with me this morning? It's it's talking about, I feel like, see, I think this is the season for the entire church to get a vision from God. I don't think it's good enough for a church leader to have vision. I don't think it's good enough that I might believe things. I think God wants every one of us to say, I believe that. And I think one of the hallmarks of this church, if you will pardon me a moment, to brag on this church that God leads, I would say this to you. I'd say this is a church filled. David Schaefer said to me four times in this last week, I rang him, he's up in like, Hi, David. Uh, I rang him and he said, I have never been in a church with so many big people in it. And he wasn't referring to your corporeal size. He said, I've never been to a church with so many giants, so many big fishes, he called them on Sunday morning. I don't know when it's coming. I just know. Well, here's the last one, number five. I preached on this a while back, so I'm not going to spend too long on it, but uh, it's one of my favourites. Stay ready. Genesis 41, verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. He said, oh God, I didn't realize you were going to do it. And now I haven't fasted, and I haven't prayed and I've let my gift just lapse and I don't really know what I'm doing. And oh God, I repent of my anger towards that, uh, the, the prison keeper. And God, you know, I've kept that little doll there in the shape of Potiphar's wife. And, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm kidding, right? He doesn't have to do any of that. Get this. A guy's been in jail and forgotten for years, and the only thing he's got to do is shave. Change his clothes. And he's there. Amen. Don't you want, come on. Don't you want to be a Christian like that? You don't want to be a Christian. You're dragging like eight tons of baggage into Pharaoh's court. What's that? Oh, that's all the people that hurt me. What's that bag? That bag over there, that's all my disappointments. All the things God never did. He told me he would, never did them. What's that other bag over there? Some of us are staggering. We like carrying eight tons of baggage around and we stagger into Pharaoh's court. He can't even see you. Amen. Come on. Come on. Vicky said shake it off. I'd, I'd say leave it behind. Amen. Leave it behind. Oh, you got hurt. Oh, hello, what, once? Hello? Amen. I, I, don't, I haven't said it for years because I didn't want to be promoting it, but I used to say, if you've been in this church for more than a year and no one's offended you yet, you haven't been listening hard enough. Not we're trying to promote it, but come on, come on, come on, come on. I know some of you right now while I'm speaking, you're thinking about, oh, yeah, he, mmm. Ah. Oh, Stay ready. He shaved, he changed his clothes and he was ready. He's right there. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of spirit I want to have. I don't want God to turn up with a massive outpouring of his Holy Spirit. And I never got into the upper room. I'm still back there thinking about, should I go fishing again or not? Because that's what Peter said after the cross. I go fishing. I'm going back. I'm going back to where I came from. I don't want to be that. I want when Jesus turns up, I want to be go, oh, thank you, I've been waiting. Amen. Amen. I was expecting you to come, Lord. Look, I'm ready to go. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for all the good things that you have in store. And Father, thank you for the old things that you're going to turn into good the bits that we don't like and the bits that are difficult. But God, you're going to turn all things into good things. We thank you for that blessing. We thank you for that help. Come on, help us Lord today in Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Would you speak to us? Would you lodge something deep into our minds so it goes beyond something nice to hear? In Jesus' name. How many of you here just heads bowed, eyes are closed? And we you hear God, Jeff, I've parked my vision of, of there. Or you say, Jeff, I've been carrying all the baggage around. I know the Lord is telling me, leave it behind. Get ready. Get ready. I believe there's those two groups of people. I want to pray for you right where you sit. I'm not going to embarrass you. It's not the point. The point is for you to be able to say to the Holy Spirit, I'm leaving that baggage behind. I'm, I'm forgetting about that. Now, maybe you'll remember it again tomorrow. That's okay, just leave it behind again. After a while, it'll stop following you. It's like the dog that just wants to follow you down the street. You just turn around and go home. Or maybe you're somebody who, your vision, the dream that you've had, you've allowed it to sit stagnant. And God's telling you this morning, come on, get up. Come on, I want to use you. If that's you this morning, why don't you just raise your hand where you are so I can see you and pray for you. Right where you are, I won't embarrass you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Yep, yep, thank you, thank you. thank you, Yep, yep, lots up there. Yep, I see you. Up in the balcony as well, of course. Thank you up there. I see you. Yep. Awesome. Just lift it. If you haven't lifted it yet, I want to include you. My go, well, take you. Right at the back, I can see you. Right at my right, I can see you. I'm not going to embarrass you. It's not what this is for. This is for you to be able to say, Jesus, this is what I intend to do from here. Is there anybody else? Then, Father, for every hand that God raised, You alone know all the circumstance. You alone know all the intricacies of it and how You're gonna work it out. But we're telling You this morning, we're saying yes to Your calling for our life. God, if there's some all things in our life right now, then we believe You'll turn them into good things. We don't know when. We don't know how. We just know You will. Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can look this way, man. Some of you here in this place today might say, Jeff, I, I have never given my life to Jesus. I don't even know what that term means. I think about this sometimes because I remember back when being born again was like, a, you know, the term born again, it's, it became celebritized. You know, film stars still making horrible movies, but that's how oh, I'm born again now. And you kind of go, okay, I. I guess I kind of get it. But you know, Jesus never said that because He was trying to create a cliche. He said it because He was trying to describe to this man Nicodemus what true spiritual life was like because Nicodemus knew all about the outside. He knew about going to church. He knew about reading the law. He knew about doing good to your neighbor. He knew all that stuff. But there was nothing on the inside of him that could transform him, nor his family, nor his life. Jesus said, Nicodemus, you don't get it. He said, it's like you've got to be born all over again. Spiritually. He said, that's where it is. Later on in the book of Revelation, Jesus tells the people, I'm standing at the door of your life and I'm knocking, I want to come in. That's the same thing He's talking about. I want to come in and change your life. If you have never done that, I want to lead you in a prayer right now, right where you are. I'll tell you what you can do so you can start a journey with Christ. So let's pray this. And if you'd like to, will not you pray this after me, make this prayer yours. Lord Jesus, thank You for dying for me because I matter to You. I need Your forgiveness. There's things I've done I wish I hadn't. There's things I should have done I never did. So I receive forgiveness today. I'm asking You to lead me. Save me. I want to be born again. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, let me show you up there on the screen, it'll come up for you. The yes text, simply saying, Y-E-S, to that number if you're in Australia, 826392. Or if you'd rather get our help, by email, it's yes.metrochurch.org.au. Either way, our team, the moment you send yes, just Y-E-S. We don't need your name, we don't need your details. We're gonna be praying for you. We will send you every day, a Bible verse and a prayer, different every day, you get it for 30 days. And you go, well, what happens after the free period? Well, there's another free period, and another free period, and another free one. because we're not trying to get anything out of you. We're trying to help you. And we want you to grow in Christ, just like all of us have. And everyone around about you, we will stay where you are, being born again. And then Jesus kept on working with us, he'll help you. 048826392. Send us your yes. We would love to be a part of seeing your life grow. If you want to talk to someone about it, go over to the Connect Hub or to the Prayer Space. John and Trudy will be there, and they would love to talk with you and pray with you some more if that's what you'd like this morning. Amen. Now I see that my time has gone. Hi, Janine in Tasmania. How are I think we've got time to sing it one more time before we go. Cafe will be open in a minute. John and Trudy, as I mentioned, will be out the prayer space as you leave the auditorium on the lower level on the right-hand side. They'd love to pray with you, spend time with you. I know that our Pastor Ray is going to be doing mingled time online, And so those of you online, he's waiting to pray with you there, and that'll be great. Let's stand. Let's sing it. Join Metro Life tonight. See you next Sunday night. Next Saturday morning as well. Come on, let's sing it. I will make room. I'd love you to go, Uh, John and Trudy, be out there and someone, Leo, would you make sure they, because they've already gone out there, tell them I said. Uh, There's some of you here this morning, a couple of you here, you've got swelling in some parts of your body that is mystifying the medics. They can't really tell you what's the cause of it. I believe God wants to heal you this morning. And so I'd love you to go out there, John and Trudy. They might not have heard me say it, maybe the Lord didn't say it to them, but He's telling me about you. And uh, they're going to pray for you. I believe you'll be healed this morning in Jesus' name. I thank you for being a part of this great service this morning. And I hope I see you uh, next Sunday morning or next Sunday night as well. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. We'll see you somewhere soon. Amen.